0: let me give you this quote from C.S. Lewis, one of my heroes. He said this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race as people fall about the devils. In other words, the supernatural realm, we can fall into two different areas of error. One is to disbelieve in their existence. Don't believe it's true. Think it's just all from the Bible time. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. In other words, you're looking for a demon under every bush. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. C.S. Lewis sometimes it's a little hard to understand. What he's saying is there's two ways you can fall off the map when it comes to the supernatural world. You can just... Pretend like it's not there, that's a problem because Paul talks about the importance of being aware of what the enemy's schemes are for his life. He explains that the devil is like a a roaring lion prowling around seeking who he could devour. So we need to be aware of what's happening in the supernatural realm. On the other side of things, if we're so focused on what the enemy's doing in the supernatural realm, we miss the point as well. And maybe you know someone like that. There is a delicate balance to understanding how do you live in this world, understanding that there is a supernatural world behind the scenes that we're not seeing. That has a lot to do with what we're seeing. We talked about this last week. This week is a little bit of a continuation of last week's message. Uh, When we talked about some of these awful things in the world, this is not about people fighting people. This is about spirits and spiritual world waging war on each other, the good and the evil, which is a thing. Now, uh, we're we're working through the book of Colossians. Colossians 1.16 says, For in him, Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible. That's everything, by the way. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. Now, those four things are actually words for different spiritual beings that have authority in the heavenly realms. There's a lot more going on between the with those four words, thrones, powers, rulers, and authorities. So if it seems a little cryptic to you, it's because it's kind of hiding in the English language, that there are these spirit beings, specifically rulers and authorities, that we're going to look at this morning. He created all these things. Therefore, he is above and infinitely greater than them. So we're not talking about a battle where it's like the angel and the devil on your on your shoulder, and it's like equal. It's like God is above all things. Jesus is supreme over all things. All power in heaven and on earth and under the earth is given to him. It's not a fair fight. It's not close. So just be clear about that. As we talk about the supernatural, Jesus always wins. He has his way. All things have been created through him and For him. So, as we're going through the book of Colossians, if you're new to church or you don't know what Colossians is, this is one of the books of the Bible. In the Bible, which is one book, is like a library of 66 books that are written by different authors, over 40 different authors, over 1,500 years of time, and part of the New Testament, which is the story of Jesus and the early church we have these letters. Paul wrote quite a few letters, 13 to be exact. One of his letters is the book of Colossians. It is this funny name because it's written to the people in Colossae. So you can think about it like if he was writing a book to Chico, it would be like Chicoans, right? The book of Chicoans, because that's who he's writing to. So in this case, he's writing, writing to the Colossians. This book has four chapters in it, Along the way, some really nice people put some numbers in it, some chapter numbers, because most of the time we don't write chapter and verse on our letters that we write to each other. Maybe you don't write letters anymore. Let's say emails. In your emails, you don't put chapter and verse. Or your text messages. You don't do that, right? So there's no numbers in the original documents of the Bible, but these guys helped us out several hundred years later and put these numbers in. Chapters 1 and 2 is about doctrine. Doctrine, the big word for the things that we believe, the things that we believe about ourselves, about God, about our world, how it all works, what we should know. And then we build on chapter 1 and 2 with chapters 3 and 4. This is oftentimes the case of how Paul is writing his letters to these churches He explains doctrine first. He says, here's what it's based on. And then, by the way, this is how you live it out, how you apply it, how you practice these things. So today we are finishing up chapter two, and next week is going to be a lot more action packed of things that you can do and make your list. I'll give you a few things today so that it'll be great, but next week, good times. Colossians 2, 6 and 7, I want to remind you, this is where we've just come from in the last couple of weeks. So then, just as you received Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Think run for food. So, rooted We are rooted by him. Why? This is a perfect verb. It is once and for all done. It will always be the case. We will always get the benefit of being rooted. This is what this little Greek word means, solid and good. Then these other ones are are ongoing present words that we're going to be built up in him. We're going to be strengthened in him. And there is this sense of God is continually working on us and completing us. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion, even if it takes until the day when Jesus comes back. That's what Philippians 1.6 says. So I don't know about you, but I'm not finished yet. Whew, it's a good thing because you'd all be disappointed if I was finished. The Lord is continually working on us and helping us look more and more like Jesus. So, as we're rooted, this idea, there's one word, this one verb so far in the whole book that we're supposed to do. Here it is in Colossians 2 6. It's hiding in this English phrase, continue to live your lives in Him. It means walk with Him. Walk with Him. I saw this quote, it's Neil Anderson. He says this, the essence of temptation is the invitation to live independently of God. I know a lot of people who, they gave their lives to Jesus, but then things were good, and they they didn't walk with him. They just decided to do their own thing. Like sheep, we go our own way. Each of us has turned to our own way, it says in the Old Testament. And oftentimes we are not walking with Jesus. We may believe in Him. We may have even surrendered our lives to Him, but we're not walking with Him. And I think that's been part of the challenge so far as we've looked at Colossians saying, are you walking with Jesus? And what does it look like to walk with Jesus? Well, one of the aspects of walking with Jesus is seeing to it that no one takes you captive or hostage Hostage is a little front of mind for those of us who watch the news, right? Through hollow, hollow and deceptive philosophy, we've been duped and we've been taken and kidnapped by these things that are not true, which depend on human tradition. They're not God's stuff, they're human stuff. And it's infinitely better to have God's stuff than human stuff. We're going to see that at the end of the passage. And the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ this idea of elemental spiritual forces. There's different translations that translate this different way. The NIV and the NISB would say it's like the principles. They're elementary principles like the ABCs and things like that. But I don't believe that. I, I would fall more in line with the elemental spirits of the universe, the ruling spirits of the universe, this, this word stoikeia. So this word Stoichea, specifically in the second and third century, are, is reserved for astral spirits, things in the heavenlies. Then we have these Greek papyrus documents that talk about the 12 Stoichea of heaven, and they're connected to the spirits behind the zodiac. And then not only did Jews use this word, but also those who were not spiritual at all were the pagans is the word, right? Non-spiritual at all. They would re- use this word to refer to spirits. So there's this sense of, okay, the rest of the world that this doc, these documents are coming to, this is what they believe this word meant. Therefore, that's what I am going to put my stock in. The other thing is the context, I think, shows us that. So I used this verse last week, Ephesians six twelve. just a reminder. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Sometimes we think our struggle is with the neighbor we can't get along with, or the person at work that seems to be undercutting us, or there's a sense of that we make the people the enemy and realize that they have just been duped or used by the enemy. And that our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of this dark world, the world rulers, if you will. This word shows up in several different places here in in verse 8. Also, later in this chapter, it says, since you died with Christ to the elemental spirit spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its or their rules? we we'll also see this in Galatians 4. So also, when we were underage or immature before we came to Christ, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of this world. And formerly, verse, this is uh, Galatians 4, verses 8 and 9, formerly when you didn't know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. But now that you know God, or rather you are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? There's our Stoikea word again, right? So you're starting to see maybe why I have I lean toward that interpretation of this word, right? So Major strategy of Satan is to distort the character of God. This is what the stoicheia are trying to do. This is what the elementary forces are trying to do. Try try to distort the character of God and the truth of who we are. Trying to ruin the doctrine and get us to believe a lie. He, the enemy of our soul, can't change God. He can't do anything to change our identity, our position in Christ. If, however, he can get us to believe a lie, we will live as though our identity in Christ isn't true. The battle, my friends, is for our mind. And the key weapon that the enemy of our soul uses is the lie. He lies to us so that we, once we begin to believe the lie, we begin to live out that reality in our life. And our identity... Being in Christ, being seated with Christ in the heavenlies. We're going to see that next week in chapter 3. We see it in Ephesians. That we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. We're in this beautiful place. But we begin to believe, we don't believe that. We begin to, to live out those lies. Well, continuing with the chapter. For in Christ, here is, that identity all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So Jesus, he's got all of God. 100% God, 100% human. And in Christ, here's the identity piece, you, meaning us, those Colossians who are reading it, Jesus followers, we have been brought into fullness. Ooh. Wait a second. What kind of fullness? Next phrase, He is the head over every power and authority. It's interesting what he's saying is, look, you've got, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I think that's the next verse. There is this fullness of the Holy Spirit living inside you, which gives you authority over these dark things that come against you. That's why when we have people call the office and say, hey, there's stuff that's going on in our house, the lights are going on and off by themselves. Will you come and pray at our house? We don't chew our fingernails off. That's no big deal. Some of you are like, oh man, it just got really weird. Just coming to church, it was a rainy day, it was really nice, and now you're making it weird. I'm making it weird. Why? Because when this happens at your house, you need to know that we can, you can call the church, and we're not going to stress out. We'll just come in and because of the authority that we carry, we'll teach you how to steward your home. And and pray and that stuff stops. It just does, every time. This is like no big deal. Why greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? I um, you ever see uh, how is it like Night at the Smithsonian or something like that? Right? It's it's um, it's Ben Stiller and he's got that his only weapon is like a flashlight. And you know it's not real intimidating. A flashlight's not an intimidating weapon, but this is a little bit like the the enemy that we oftentimes encounter. He flashes his flashlight at you as if like this is like some huge weapon, but it's really like he doesn't he can't do anything with it. So greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And and Paul is showing this authority that we have over the enemy. Now some of you're like. I know it's Halloween and like everybody's putting their decorations up. And this whole like magic or, or evil, good versus evil, I don't know. That kind of seems like we're smarter than that now. We've kind of been enlightened. And so we don't need that kind of thinking because we've got names for that, like mental illness and other things like that, that, that might be those things. And so we're, we're you know, we're, we're not going to think about a supernatural worldview. And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do because he wants to have his way with you. And if he can get you not believing in him, Keith Green sang a great lo- song about that. Those of you who are old enough to remember that. No one believes in me anymore. A job keeps getting easier as day slips into day. And, and he just works the angles behind the scenes because we're unaware. Now, I'm not telling you this, this to scare you. I'm telling you this because you need to be more aware of what the enemy is doing. Because the good news is that he, Jesus, is the head over every power and authority. So when we run into something that the enemy's trying to do, just, no, 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 in Jesus' name, nope, nope, nope. Then it gets a little theological, a little bit weird. Uh, In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by flesh, Was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Let's stop right there. Circumcision, little little surgical procedure done uh, on the males of Jewish boys. It was the sign of the covenant. It was a symbol and a sign of this deeper work and great promise of covenant with his people. So as Christ comes, he does a work with us. And then, what kind of work? What is it? What could this look like in our day? Glad you asked. Verse twelve: Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. There is this uh, initiation into the church that comes with baptism. Now, would you say, wait a second? But I'm not baptized. Does that mean that I'm I'm not in Christ and? And I won't go to heaven if I die? No, it, it's not like that. But baptism has always been a way to say I'm a part of this larger body of Christ. And I am publicly declaring that I have died with Christ and, and risen with him. That his life is in me. So when this is happening, then this is the full, there is the fullness of of God living inside us because we've surrendered our life to Christ and the Holy Spirit has come to live inside us. And baptism is this beautiful outward symbol of this covenant we have. And when you were dead in your sins, this is before you've given your life to Christ, you're dead in your sins. And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins. How many sins did he forgive? All Some of you are like, well, he forgave all the small ones, but not that one big one. No, he forgave that one too. But you don't know what I've done, Andrew. It doesn't matter. I don't have to know because he forgave all our sins. I always go with what the Bible says is true. How did he forgive our sins? What did he do? What's the outward symbol? Because we're talking a lot about outward symbols of what's internally true. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Amen. So this is uh, like an IOU paper statement that they would use back in the day. And it would say, you owe such and such to this person. Think about your mortgage, right? And um, it's just stamped canceled and nailed, paid in full. This is what Jesus says, by the way, his last words, some of his last words on the cross. It is finished. To Tetelestai. It's paid in full. Done. Your sins were forgiven back there. And a like, I didn't exist before that? Uh, I don't understand how that works. I just go with what the Bible says. His work was completed at the cross. So, this is good news. And having... Here's one of the reasons why I think Stoicheia actually has to do with spiritual forces, not elementary things and bad thinking or philosophy. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over triumphing. Ooh, that's a hard word. Over them by the cross. This is fighting words. Them's fighting words. So here's the word that's being used. We're gonna make you prisoners of war, you powers and authorities, you you evil spirits, you demonic presences. You were totally canceled at the cross, and now we're gonna mar- make you march like a Roman war per- procession. This is the word that's used, usually naked. In other words, it's it's being ashamed. It's the same Greek word that uh, is used in the in the the Christmas story where Joseph says, "I," he was gonna. Gonna divorce her quietly because she didn't, he didn't, she didn't, he didn't want her to be ashamed in this way, to be exposed. In this way, Jesus is exposing the works of the enemy and disarming them and saying, Yep, you gotta get in the parade so we can show that we're actually you're defeated. Whew. There is a reference in Ephesians that Paul writes this book of Ephesians. He's quoting Psalm 68. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. So this language of defeating the enemy, this is so central to the gospel. Jesus came to defeat the works of the enemy, the evil one. That's so what first John says. Colossians 2, verse 16. Therefore, all this stuff, whenever you see a therefore, you gotta see what it's there for. So this is all the stuff that's ha- that I've been saying. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are the shadow of the things that are to come, that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So what's going on here? In the, in the church at Colossae, there are people like, you got to do this. If you don't do this, you're not. No, Christians got to do this. And they're adding to what God says. Not a good idea. Jesus plus anything else equals, we'll call it heresy. Right? This is what separates us from some of those Religious organizations, we'll call them that, that would say, yes, you grab Jesus, but you got to be baptized in our church or else you're not saved. Sure, you can grab Jesus, uh, but you got to work your way to heaven. Well, you, you can have Jesus, but he's not actually who you think he is and trying to redefine all that. Jesus is the one who saves us, nothing else. Now, we were created for good works, but we don't earn or deserve anything. Read Ephesians 2 about that. So, there are going to be people who are going to be telling you, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do this. Beware, Colossians. Beware, Chicoans, of those things. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility, ooh, by the way, false humility, that would be pride, and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail about what they've seen, and they're puffed up with idle notions in their unspiritual mind. Watch out who you're following. Engage your mind. Be like the Bereans who study this, themselves to be approved. Make sure that you know your, your Bible. What's going on here? The worship of angels. We would normally see proskuneo, the, to bow down and worship. Oh, I love that word. But here we don't see proskuneo. We see this word. I can't say it. Uh, threskia. It means r- rituals and religion. It means... And this is not the worship and bowing down to angels. This is basically going through some tradition of angels which is not through Jesus to get something. Well, this word, this little tiny word into. You think, oh, really? We're going to go into the word into? Don't we know what that means? Well, I thought I did. Such a person go, also goes into great detail about what they've seen. This is what NIV says. Here's what Sir William Ramsey said 100 plus years ago. This is a better literal translation of this. What he had seen entering when he performed the higher stage of ritual. Well, what's this about? This is getting weird. So there is this place that's not far from our place in Colossae at Kleros. And it was a temple to the god Apollo. Anybody ever, Apollo, ever hear his name before? Not Apollo Creed, he's different. So there was this underground, you can kind of see it's a little underground, you can see a little water into there because the water table's really high. But this was an underground grotto. And what you would do at the, at the temple of Apollo is you would enter, you would do this imbatuo, this word. You would go down, and descend underground so that you could have these visionary experiences and revelation from the priests that were down there. It's just another way to receive from the supernatural realm. Come and do it our way. And I think what's going on here is that the Colossians are adding to Jesus and they're going, well, but there's this other great stuff. By the way, They must have been having real visions and experiencing real things or else those guys would have never done that over and over and over. There is real power. Idols in the Bible, you think, well, those are really dumb people. Why would they bow down to like statues? Because stuff was happening. Because real power is wielded by real forces, authorities, thrones, powers that Paul's talking about. This is a real problem. (laughs) No pun intended. So... Here at, in Hierapolis, just a few miles away, you have this place that they have excavated, the plutonium. The plutonium was known as the opening to the underworld, all right? You see that little steam coming out? That is, um, it's like sulfur and other gases that come out of the ground there, and so they would throw their people in there and sacrifice them to Apollo, and they would see this as the underworld, and they would have these these supernatural experiences. And here's this coin to this God found right there at Colossae. What's going on? I think Paul's saying, look, don't try to add something else. Don't add tarot cards. Don't add the magic eight ball. Don't add Ouija boards. Don't add your horoscope. Don't add that stuff. Well, it's just all kind of fun and games. Nope but you're being religious like those guys in the passage. Nope. I go to Jesus only. I don't pray through saints. I love the saints. I think they're amazing. I study them. I'm a big nerd. I don't pray through saints. I don't pray through Mary. I pray through Jesus. Jesus gets it done. This passage is so clear. And yet in our, in our culture, there is a lot of syncretism, big, big word for mixing up the truth with a lie. And we need to be so careful. We need to be so, so careful. I don't live my life because somebody comes up and gives me a prophetic word. I love prophetic words, but they are supposed to confirm what God's already speaking to me, and I test them against God's word. And a whole lot of other, even good things, that's not God. You've got to go after intimacy with Jesus. Well, let me land this plane. So since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why do you, are you, as though you still belong to this world, do you submit to its rules? Why do you keep doing the things of the world? Even the stuff that seems like it's super holy, like don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. These rules, which have nothing to do with things that are destined, they're perished to, with use. They're based on merely human commands and teachings. This is what the Pharisees were doing, by the way. They're adding a whole bunch of stuff that weren't God's rules. It's called religion, by the way. That's where you get that word religion versus relationship with Jesus. Last verse. Um, Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. Well, it sounded like a good idea at the time with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body, and they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. In other words, you can do all these things and you still end up doing the, still tempted and you do the dumb things you shouldn't be doing. So, these things are kind of giving us a little shadowy outline of probably what was going on in Colossae, but I'm not going to try to figure that out because that's not my job. I just want to draw truth from the Bible so I can apply it. So what are a few things I want you to take away this this morning? Grace. I want you to take grace from this place because we just heard a lot of things that were a lot about religion, but I, I believe that the Lord is calling you to receive and walk in grace. Talk about walking with him, walking in grace critical. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is what 2 Peter 3 says. I also want to challenge you. The garbage in, garbage out principle, right? So garbage in, garbage out, the idea of what we, we become what we consume. And oftentimes we consume without engaging our minds. And it, by doing so, we open ourselves up for the enemy to do all sorts of things in our life. Romans 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to be so careful. Oftentimes when we go and pray through people's houses because their stereo is going on and off by itself or things are flying across the room, which you think is a joke, but it's not a joke if it happens at your house. You'll call us really fast. Um, Oftentimes it's because they've been watching some really scary, gross stuff, and it's opened up a place for the enemy to come in and be able to do those things. They've given access or authority for those things to happen. Ephesians 4 talks a little bit about this. It talks about, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. What's a foothold? It's like a beachhead. It's like when you were running around with your sister when you were kids, and um, she runs into the bathroom, and you stick your foot, and the door stops against it. Right? Am I the only one that ever did that? Yeah, It's sorry. Sometime in the 70s, this happened. And Chico... And once you get your foothold in there, then you can kind of get your hand through and your other hand through and then you can get your other, and you can squeeze in and now, now you know, whatever you're going to do, torture with your little sister, right? You're ready to go. This is what the enemy does. And, and I want to specifically talk about this verse, talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of the, the biggest areas where we just open up the door wide to the enemy and say, come on in. You just have your way. Because I'm not willing to let go of this pain because if I let go of it, somehow that person's never gonna pay for what they did, which is silly because unforgiveness is like drinking poison all the while thinking the other person's going to die. Some of you are struggling because you've not forgiven. And we wanna walk with you and love you and help you get to a place where you can forgive. Is it easy? No. Is it critically important? Yes. It's one of our core distinctives, one of our core competencies here for discipleship. We want you all to learn how to forgive and receive that healing. It's so important. Last thing. I read this quote last week. C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity, Enemy Occupied Territory. This is what the world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed, and you might say landed in disguise, and it's calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. Yeah, I I have joined the resistance, being an absolute Star Wars nerd, because the evil empire will not have its way. The only way that I can truly fight is on my knees. So here's an opportunity. I want to challenge you. Uh, Gaylord's out in the lobby, and uh, he can tell you more about it. He can sign you up if you want to. We're going to pray 24 hours uh, during this day that we, that's oftentimes called Halloween, on 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. on the 1st. And uh, the Pray Chico office will be open down there at East First and Mangrove. And it's a great opportunity for you to sow in and pray protection for our city. And so I know that specifically we've got a couple things that we definitely need to get covered. Um, One of them is the watch and pray patrol. So go out, talk to Gaylord about that. You'll see a little sign. But this is basically, we we want to make sure this is a safe environment for anybody who's coming in the middle of the night. So we'll have a couple. It could be a husband and wife. It could be. Two dudes, it should be two friends. It could be people that don't know each other and you could become friends. But um, just sitting in the car, praying together during a watch of the night, part of the night. And that way when people arrive, you can welcome them and make sure that they're safe and they feel safe. But once we get that and our host um, slots covered, we're good to go. Then really no one has to sign up. You can just show up whenever you want. Uh, but I want to challenge you, uh, go out and see Gaylord see about this. Um, but in this season, we're seeing prayer skyrocket. Why? Because we're seeing God move. We keep seeing him do great things with people like Kelly and others. And so uh, would you stand? I want to pray a blessing over you. Thanks for hanging a couple extra minutes with me today. Really fun to celebrate some good things, healing, what's happening, the Jesus Center. So prayer, prayer folks, if you'd come forward, prayer team, we'd love to um, make sure that we've got a team down here. I think some of you may be wrestling with forgiveness, and um, would you just allow some of our friends on the prayer team to pray for you? Uh, because God will give you the grace to be able to do that. Um, and this might be one of the most difficult things you ever do. And we want to we wanna, we'll walk, we wanna, we wanna walk with you. So Jesus, thank you for your goodness and grace. I'm so happy, God, um, that you've called us to be people who walk in our authority and our identity, not in a prideful way, uh, but knowing, God, that you're the one who gives us power. We don't have to go grab it from anywhere else. Thank you, Lord, uh, that we get to walk in grace. That we can step into a place of of obedience to you, forgiveness, and healing. So. In these days, in October, we pray, Lord, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, I bless this family. Meeting here and also online in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great. We'll see you all next week.